This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. All month long, we've been featuring a series called 2019 A Look Ahead. Right now, we are going to turn our attention to women in leadership positions and how the Me Too movement has impacted businesses. A December report by the World Economic Forum said it would take 202 years for gender parity in the workplace, much longer than the 170 years estimated in 2016. At the same time, a study by the annual Women CEO Report said that 2018 was a great year for women who made up over one-fifth of the newly installed CEOs. California took a big step, then a bigger step, I should say, than others when it passed a law requiring publicly listed companies with headquarters in the state to have at least one woman on their board of directors by the end of the year. And 2019 has started with a huge increase of women sworn in to the 116th United States Congress. So what might we see here in 2019? We are joined in studio by Catherine Klein, who is a management professor here at the Wharton School and co-host of Dollars of Dollars and Change every Thursday here on Sirius XM 132. And also with us is Janice Madden, who's a professor of regional science and sociology here at the University of Pennsylvania. Welcome to you both. Thank, Thank you for you. joining us. Thank you. By all the issues we've kind of laid out here, Catherine, how do you view 2018 and kind of heading into 2019? Well, I think 2018 was quite a change in attention to women's issues in the workplace. I think it's, you know, it's striking to me when I think about how long we've been thinking about these issues, um, that this was the year that sexual harassment really came to the fore. Uh, This is the year that these stories are making news. And, um, you know, my sense is this is here to stay for quite a while. We're not going backwards. These issues will continue to get a lot of attention in 2019. And I think that's good. Janice? Yes, I I share that, Catherine. I think it it has been good that it's gotten increased attention. Um, But I'm not sure it's all good. (laughs) And the reason I'm not sure it's all good is that I I remain concerned uh, of the one thing that women need in leadership is mentorship. And because most of the available mentors are men, anything that potentially puts a freeze on men's comfort with mentorship is a concern. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not against Me Too. I'm all for Me Too. I mean, and I, but, but I'm worried about making sure that men who are want, trying to help women are supported in that effort. And, and a couple of articles uh, in, in, the, uh, in the postscript of the, of the World Economic Forum in Davos actually mentioned that specifically, that the role of the mentor in the company can be affected, is being affected, and that could have a long-term effect down the road. Yes, yes, because that I, I think that that's what women have offered. That's been a key component that women have missed. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree. I think that where I would, you know, in nuance, disagree, I'm sure it's at best a nuance, um, is my concern is when we say uh, let's pay attention to these issues, let's track these metrics, it's very easy and, and correct to say, well, companies will do the wrong thing. They'll right. respond in incorrect ways. They'll respond in ways that are in, in and that there will be unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. And to which I would say, yep, that's that's probably right. You know, in, in that, a lot of good things will happen. Some bad things will happen. Some right. mistakes will happen. Let's keep having this conversation, paying attention to these issues. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, on net, being yeah. able to report harassment and trying to get it stopped is yeah. is exactly. the much more important movement. Right. I agree with that yeah. absolutely. Well, then, then let me ask you this: <laughs> using the word attention, which uh, obviously this this entire uh, story has been getting over the last couple of years, I, I think the goal is down the road is to have the level of equity 
for men and women, for women in, in the workplace, so that you don't really have to have the quote-unquote attention, that it kind of becomes just a normal part of the process of business, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it, and it's, again, it's, I mean, it's just, these issues are so interesting because we are so used to, um, and they're, you know, they're so complicated because we are so used to seeing men, you know, dominate in the workplace, dominate numerically, dominate in terms of power. We don't really think about this. So, you know, the story that, that was getting attention about the Paul Weiss law firm and the the number of, uh, you know, all white, this all white class of uh, lawyers that was promoting to partner, one woman among the 12 of them, you know, years ago, nobody would have batted an eye. And, you know, yeah. it's in 2019 that we do pay attention to these issues and go, oh, right, that's not, you know, so, we, this isn't the norm that we should just accept. So, I mean, obviously, we have all of these instances of male leaders, the Harvey Weinsteins, the Matt Lowers of the world that obviously have uh, have brought this to the forefront. But as you said, this is something that's been on the mind of people, and I'm wondering what the trigger actually was. It, it had to be, I think, more than just these instances of male leaders uh, in doing what they did. Oh, I think it was empowerment of women. I think it was generally women getting – I mean, this has been going on forever. Yeah, And right. the problem was when you complained, you lost your job. <laughs> you, right. you, you ostracized yourself. And what happened is there got to be enough attention that somebody started really paying serious attention to these complaints and that – that, that's what made the whole thing blossom. I think that's right. I think, and I think we have to credit social media as making a real difference. This was, you know, so there were the Me Too movement means there are, you know, thousands, probably millions of women coming forward and saying, this happened to me. And maybe yeah. not this happened to me in my company today, but it happened to me, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and so on. So I think social media played a huge factor. So the strength of, of, of hashtag me too will be as strong in, in 2019 as it was in 2018, do you think? You know, I just think we'll continue to, I mean, the hashtag me too is, is less of a story until it, it hits an icon, you know, it hits a, a man that we, that, who has been respected and has been under right. the, the radar and in the news. Um, but I suspect that the stories will continue, you know, stories around Me Too and other aspects of women's, you know, women's circumstances in the workplace. Yeah. Jess? Yes. Yeah, so well, my personal observation, um, and more than my academic observation, is that over my career, many of the men who were most supportive of the careers of women were also what we used to call womanizers. <laughs> that they also, that not all, I mean, please, I don't mean, but, but, but that right. many of them were. And for young women uh, trying to get ahead, it was a challenge as to how to manage that, how to use what this person wanted to give you, but keep, <laughs> keep an arm's length. Um, and I think that uh, going forward, men are going to be uh, 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 more conscious of this and be less likely to go down that path. So hopefully in the future, there'll be less of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, one hopes. I, 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 a brief and funny story. A kid, a friend's son recently asked me to follow him on Instagram. So right. I'm like, okay, I'll follow the kid. <laughs> I follow the kid. And he and he posted today this very open-minded, intellectual, liberal family. And this kid who's just, you know, he posted today essentially a hot or not, you know, <laughs> showing pictures of young women. Yeah. One of whom, and you know, that was struck me given the pictures he showed as both, you know, objectifying racist, not both, objectifying racist and sexist. 
was like, whoa, this is, a, you know, this is an 11 year old boy. It's <laughs> <So, laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, I hope it changes. Um, and I called him out on it. Well, but, um, but then a, a lot of that has to be a, a, a cultural mindset change. And, and yeah. as the baby boomers get older and, and that mindset for some moves into retirement age, yep. <laughs> Gen Z, millennial, Gen X, a lot of people believe that's where that shift is really taking place, and that's where the change is going to really grow over the next uh, next decade or two. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully. It's I mean, it's it's just these were bit. You know, I was in I was in college in the you know in the, the, the mid and late seventies, and these were big issues. We were paying a lot of attention to these issues. I was an undergrad at Yale, and you know, we thought a lot about women's empowerment and. Progress! Wow, progress has been slow. I mean, it just so you know there's been a lot of progress, but it's been slow. Uh, well, women's empowerment was talked about, but there was much less attention to sort of the sexual harassment. Oh, side. absolutely. And women yeah. that absolutely. sort of brought this up were viewed as a little ditzy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But but as we continue to see the, the the numbers of women taking executive positions, C-suite positions, that changes. Hopefully, that changes the culture within companies that will continue to kind of erode away at that inequality that that you have talked a lot about for for women having opportunity in the workforce. I, we hope that that is true. And I'm curious to hear Janice's thoughts on this as well. Because, I mean, one of the things that I think is important to recognize is that, at least in the, the research evidence, strongly suggests that women are basically just as sexist as men. Right. Um, you know, it is in the, you know, in the sense of Doctor walks into the room. What is our assumption about this doctor based on the doctor's gender, the doctor's you know, and, and other aspects, you know, and and which which brain surgeon do I want to go to? What is my assumption about who these people are, and so on? Um, so we hope that having women in power makes a difference. I think in lots and lots of ways it does, but I think we also have to recognize that you know, it's not just men who are sexist. Women have these biases. We absorb sure. them in this society as well. Yes. Well, Catherine, my reading of the evidence is consistent with yours, but it's the women are better than men. I mean, in the sense of being less likely to have the sexist answer, but but still being overall uh, what we'd classify as pretty sexist. Um, what's more of concern, however, is women that make it up the corporate ladder okay. are much more likely to be like men. Yeah. <laughs> because they're selected. <laughs> because they make the same decisions that men do. Right. And so it's uh, just getting a woman in a position is there's m much less difference among executives than there would be among the people walking down Locust Walk on the street. <laughs> so that go that then that would lead me to say that that goes to the power of that position and it's not necessarily a, at times a male female issue, it's just the power that a C-suite executive would have. Yes, but I wouldn't necessarily say that it's, you know, people wanting to do bad things. It's rather people um, accepting the culture and surviving in the culture and reflecting that culture and just not reflecting on it. Right. I think that's exactly right. And I, yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think, you know, as thinking of, as you think about this class at Paul Weiss, we think about even the workplace at Wharton, other environments, um, you know, if if I, as a woman, walk into a classroom that is all male, you know, my thought is there's there's at least some level of thinking, huh, you know, maybe I don't belong here. Am I in the wrong place? Right. You know, as as it would be for you as a man, I think, yeah. walking into an all, you know, a, a training program that's all for women. Like, yeah. what's happening here? Am I supposed to be here? And, you know, to to disrupt that and to say, hey, there's a problem here. And how did you organize this? And how are you recruiting? And why are, and, you know, and, and to 
flag all that is um, to risk being told, well, no, actually, you don't belong. But uh, the, other, had, the other interesting element that we have, I think, in, in this discussion is also what we're seeing uh, from Madison Avenue, from co- corporations, mm-hmm. most specifically the most recent one being Gillette right. and, and the, the statement that they made with the ad that has now gone viral uh, online, uh, looking at the quote unquote toxic masculinity that goes on in this country. And a lot of people reacted positively to it. A lot of people reacted negatively to it. But I think what a lot of people don't really grasp, I think, enough is that it's just a way to try and bring the discussion forward about certain parts of these issues. Yes, I I agree. But I also think that the uh, artistic media side of the U.S. economy is uh, much more into this than middle management in middle America is. (laughs) And that uh, these, these issues are talked about very differently. Because? Because they're at a different mindset. It's a different culture. It hasn't. I mean, the the it's the avant garde versus people who are just trying to put food on the table and, right. and make a business operate and not not thinking um, in the same way. Catherine. Yeah. No. I I agree. I I agree. I also, and yet I'm very interested in. I mean, I'm I'm struck. You know, I'm struck when I see people, uh, you know, women, primarily women, but when I see, you know, let's just say women and men who are notably younger than I am, um, and I see, for example, the books they are reading to their children, and I would have thought, surely I raised my children, my two daughters, to be good (laughs) feminists, and then I read the books that, that, you know, um, young mothers are reading to their children, and young mothers and fathers today, and I think, oh, those are better books on these messages. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm aware that there, mm-hmm. there there is such a conversation going on around sexuality in this country among young people and this notion of sort of a gender continuum that was just completely unheard of, yes. um, you know, decades ago. So, yes, I, I, you know, I think there, there are so many different conversations. It will be very interesting to see where these all go in five or ten years. Yes, yes, yes I, I, I agree absolutely that sort of the gender fluidity and sexuality fluidity of young people is much better than the situation 25 years ago where women were making decisions critical to their careers right. at the very point where they were at the pinnacle of the marriage market and being anything but quote, feminine, was going to be a liability on the marriage market. Yeah. How, how do you think then what we're seeing with the, uh, uh, with the shift in Congress this year, with the new Congress going in and much more female representation uh, in the congressional, uh, in both the House and, and, the, and the Senate, how do you think that will impact not just specifically what goes on on Capitol Hill, but a lot of these issues that we've been discussing here moving forward? Yeah, you know, I I, uh, I have to think these things are are positive when we look at um, uh, you know Nancy Pelosi and her success in the last few weeks. You know, it's kind of like wow, there have not been many people who have taken on Trump and and uh, as effectively as she has done this. That's you know that's impressive, and this is right. this. You know, this woman who was a force, a force of nature and experience and, as she will say, you know, and she's using these some of these skills. Like, I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. I know what a temper tantrum looks like. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's just wow. Uh, and, you know, I think these other women in, in Congress are showing us examples of women in power um, and what they look like, uh, you know, as, as leaders. And, and I think it does help to break down the stereotypes that we have in our heads that, you know, a leader is male. 
Janice? Oh, I, I, I agree with that. It's very, we, we have lagged behind um, the rest of the Western world in female representation in our legislatures and government. Um, it'll be very interesting to see as, as we get closer to world standards, are we going to become more of a social democracy? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm not a politician, but I'm pondering that. Right. Well, uh, I guess the, the question then off of that is, is if we have this rise of leadership uh, in Congress, then the next step would seemingly be how close are we to seeing the first female president? Obviously, we, <laughs> you know, and that again is that's a that yeah. that's going to be that, that I I believe, you know, even though Hillary Clinton lost the last election, that I, I think we see with people like Kamala Harris coming forward and wanting to run and and other females, and I think there are other women on the Republican side that we are a lot closer to where to seeing that than we were, let's say, even five to ten years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, and certainly our former colleague, Liz Warren, <laughs> is, yeah. is in this mix. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we are joined here in studio by Catherine Klein uh, here of the Wharton School, Janice Madden of the University of Pennsylvania. We're talking about uh, the year ahead, looking at a variety of different uh, women's issues. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. I I mentioned at the top the move by the state of California uh, to have publicly traded companies having at least one woman on the board of directors by by the end of the year. From a state perspective, let me, let's just say from a, from a business perspective, that move obviously has an impact. Does it have enough of an impact to continue that push forward in the years to come? So it's not just one woman on mm-hmm. a on a board of directors, where it may be two, three, four, depending on you know whatever the size of the board is. Uh, it's a really interesting question. I mean, my guess would be no. That this is you know that the is it you know, will so will the standards increase by law in California or in other states? My right. guess would be no. Um, you know, it's based on you know it's. You know, it's difficult to know what number is appropriate. Should it sure. be fifty-fifty? You yeah. know, what's 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 the right number? I think the one of the effects of the legislation is it creates a norm that companies, you know, that companies should have women on the board. This is being a, a norm that is increasingly evident. Companies feel pressure um, from investors, from you know, consumers, from legislation to have have women on the board. Um, I mean, I'm struck. There, there's some very interesting research that looks at women in the C-suite and suggests that when companies get one or two women in this in the C-suite, uh, uh, the chief executive officer, chief financial officer, and so on, they typically stop. And mm-hmm. there's sort of a like, oh, okay, we got it. You know, well, good. We have some diversity. Check. We're done. So I'm mindful of that as well. Janice. Yeah, I think. Uh, they, I but that's talking about being viewed as overwhelmingly female. <laughs> so, but putting on a board, I, I, I don't see, like you, um, that this is going to continue as a political effort. But I do think the norm, the social pressure mm. will be there. And plus, there will be more and more women who have the credentials to come to the attention of boards, period. So that will I, I predict there'll be an increase, but whether it'll have anything to do with the California law, I'm not sure. Right, right. Well, then I, I guess then off of that, if California has passed that law, is there enough of an initiative to want to push that forward in other states as well? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I don't, I don't know enough about this. I mean, you know, I, yeah. my my prediction, of course, would be that if it were, if that's going to happen, it's going to happen on the coasts for obvious kind of political uh, and, and mindset reasons. But uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, Janice. Well, I. Uh... I, I, I think these laws are generally kind of ineffective, <laughs> so I'm not uh, – I haven't thought much about that myself either. I do think that the social pressure, I do think that what Catherine said is uh, clients, customers, public relations are going to suggest this as well as there being attractive candidates out there. So I think right. in terms of the, the representation of women on boards increasing, I'm absolutely – would predict that'll occur. Right. And I think it's an important point that the, you know, as more women go on boards, there's more of a recognition that like, oh, we can can find these women and oh, she's on that board. Maybe she's interested. She can be on our board as well. So I do think, you know, that's a that's a positive in my view. Part of that also starts with uh, the, the numbers of women that are actually in various sectors. And we've talked about, you know, the want to push STEM moving forward so that you can have a, a, an even greater presence in Silicon Valley and, and with other companies like that. I saw a statistic from Barron's that, uh, you know, in terms of the jobs in the oil and gas industry, 18 percent of them are held held by women. So the more you have women going into these different sectors, the greater the opportunity is for women to be able to move up the corporate ladder and and be able to have that uh, that role in the C-suite. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, knowing and we were going to be talking on this uh, in the air today, I spent a little time looking up you know looking up some statistics. And again, there was a story about the law firm Paul Weiss, mm-hmm. which made me you know which this year uh, promoted twelve people to partner. Uh, and this is a law firm that has a reputation of being strong on diversity. Um, with 23% of their partners as as women. That what's interesting is then I went and said, well, yeah, what's I, I sort of thought, well, wait a minute, what's happening in law law schools? You know, 48% of students at Penn Law are women. Yeah. Uh, 49% of students at Harvard Law are women. So getting women into the field is you know is the first step, but. Uh, you know, there, there are many more steps in this process. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, women have been that share of these law school classes for some time, too. So it's not just that women at partnership are a different percent. It's uh, It's been a very large percent. But they are less likely to go to the big law firms and more likely to, to move out of those law firms before becoming partner than, than are men. And uh, a big predictor of that is um, family. Um, these law firms have not found a way to accommodate families and women. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad you, you brought that up, Janice, because again, as I was looking at some of these statistics, uh, you know, and, and sort of reflecting on these issues, I think it's important to pay attention to the personal and the professional. And so speaking about the personal and families, the statistic I saw is if you look at professional men and women today, 90% of professional um, women are in dual career marriages. And 50% of professional men are in dual career uh, marriages. You know, it's yeah. it's easier to maintain a, an intense, you know, not financially, obviously, but <laughs> to, an, to maintain an intense professional career and pursue that if you have a, a spouse at home. And men are far more likely to have a spouse at home. Where, where do you have then, with kind of all of these issues that we have touched on in the last 25 minutes, is there a focal point? That, that you have that that really draws your attention going into 2019? I think the issue is trying to figure out how you can support families and support the bottom line and profit and recognizing that you have developed lots of standards around who is a promotable employee based on the male model. 
and the female model is a different one. And yes, men who were taking a lot of time off of work were probably not the kind of people that would occupy the executive suite. That's not true for women because women who are taking time off aren't engaging in hobbies, aren't engaging in free time. They're engaging in a very productive uh, effort and probably are increasing their ability to be leaders. And so thinking about how time off for family actually impacts your ability to go on in the executive suite yeah. for women is, is, is important going forward. Catherine. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's, that's right. I mean, when you ask what's the focal point, I think a key focal point will continue to be you know, will these leadership issues? How many how many women do you have in leader in leadership in companies? Um, I certainly think sexual harassment continues to be a focal point, and um, you know, my hope is uh, that as we pay attention to those kinds of numbers, we pay attention to we start companies start paying more attention to the building blocks. Like, all right, if we have to, if we want to improve the number of women in leadership. Then how do we retain and support more women? Right, uh, and then we start paying. You know, and it goes back to the mentoring question, which we which we talked about yes. uh, a while ago. Yeah, absolutely. And making sure that that continues to be a strong piece moving forward. Great seeing you both. Thank you for coming in. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Catherine Klein here at the Wharton School, Janice Madden at the University of Pennsylvania. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.